ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him i bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger we'd like to continue this evening bi izni ta'ala the explanation or the sharh of kitab at-tawhid alladhi huwa haqq Allah ala al-'abid kitab at-tawhid it is a book dealing with the aspect of at-tawhid related to the fact the admission or the acknowledgement or the confession that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unique and alone in having the exclusive right to be worshiped that all forms of worship are his exclusive right and that no form of worship should be given to other than Allah and here he says kitab at-tawhid alladhi which it is haqq Allah it is the right, the exclusive right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over his servants. This tawheed, it is the right of Allah alone in all of its aspects. But the, type, the aspect that we are discussing in this book, its subject is dealing with the tawheed al-ubudiyah. Tawheed al-ubudiyah, dealing with worship. Tawheed al-ibadah. Or tawheed al-uluhiyah. That Allah is the one alone is divine and deserves to be worshipped. In the previous chapters or in the previous lectures we discussed an introduction to a tawheed and the definition of tawheed and the obligation of singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this tawheed. Uh, and in this discussion this evening we would like to discuss the chapter entitled bab fadlu at-tawhid wa ma yukaffiru min az-dhunub and uh, if you look up at the handout you will see the pages the page numbers that we are dealing with are listed from two books one of them it is the Sharh. The Sharh is the main book 
that we are relying upon in terms of the explanation of the issues contained here, the Sharh of Kitab al-Tawheed by Shaykh Abdul Aziz al-Qur'awi, and the other book is referred to as Al-Masail. Al-Masail, the reason why we have listed the page numbers of the Masail is because those Masail or those important matters or important issues are not singled out in the explanation, the Sharh, but they are singled out in this translation, the translation of Kitab al-Tawheed published by Maktab al-Dar salam So also I listed the page number of the Masail so that you may go back and look at those Masail because those issues are of importance and they need to be given attention. So the page numbers that we are dealing with from the English translation are listed from two books. One of them, the Sharh, means the explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed, this book. And the second of them is the text of the book without explanation, but it contains the issues of importance at the end of each chapter, al-Masail. Al-Masail means the issues of importance. So our procedure, inshallah, has been and it will continue to be that we will read first from the text of the book, the, the actual words of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, rahimahullah, and then we will read the Masail, perhaps with some discussion, if time allows, of those issues. And then we will read the sharp or the explanation from this book, as much as possible. So here in this chapter, the excellence or the merits of a tawheed the excellence of a tawheed وَمَا يُكَفِّرُ مِنَ الذُّنُوبِ And what a tawheed removes. Of sins. What sins a tawheed will remove? The Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah begins with this chapter heading. He begins by mentioning the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al An'am, chapter 6, verse 82. Ta'ala, Alladina amanu walam yalbisu imanahum bi zulmin. Yani, this verse and the hadith which follow are the basis of the chapter heading. His chapter heading is based on the verses from Quran or the hadith related to the topic. So the chapter heading is the excellence of a tawheed and what sins it removes. So he begins with the verse of Quran, the saying of Allah, الَّذِينَ amanu, Those who believe, meaning those who establish a tawheed. Al-Iman, here it means a tawheed. Not just saying you believe, but actually giving yourself to Allah alone with Tawheed. الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِمَانَهُمْ And they don't mix up or pollute or distort their Iman, meaning their Tawheed. They don't corrupt it. They don't corrupt it or mix it with Zulm. Zulm. And here the meaning of Zulm, it is, in general it means wrongdoing or oppression. And zulm is of different types, but here the meaning of zulm, zulm, it is a shirk. Those who believe, who establish the tawheed of Allah, and they don't pollute or corrupt that iman or that tawheed with shirk. Here, we should mention that just as tawheed has different aspects, tawheed al-rububiyyah, the lordship of Allah, and tawheed al-ubudiyyah, that Allah alone deserves to be worshipped, and Tawheed al-Asma wa sifat that Allah alone, He is alone and unique in having the perfect, the beautiful names and perfect attributes. So also, Zulm is of different types. 
this zulm which a person does to their self. By doing wrongdoing to their self, such as a person who fasts continuously without breaking fast. This is being unjust to yourself. It's not allowed in Islam. And likewise, there's zulm to others. Being wrongdoing to others, taking someone's rights or harming someone unjustly. And the worst of zulm, it is wrongdoing in reference to the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or worshipping something along with him. And this is the zulm that is mentioned here in this verse. <clears throat> and here he mentions yani the proof that a zulm, it means shirk, is the saying of the Prophet when this verse was revealed concerning shirk it was a difficulty or a hardship on the companions of the Prophet and they said which one of us hasn't done some kind of wrongdoing and the Prophet said it is not as you think but what is intended here is shirk haven't you heard the saying of the righteous man meaning Luqman Luqman haven't you heard the saying of the righteous man, Rajul As-Sali, Ya'ani Luqman, Inna shirk la zulmun azim. That verily shirk is a great zulm. So here the zulm that is mentioned or that is intended here, it is shirk. Then he said that these people, whoever have not mixed up their tawheed or their iman with shirk, Ulaaka lahumul amna then they will have safety. Safety, first and foremost, from the punishment of the hellfire. If they haven't practiced shirk in this world, then they will be saved from the hellfire, and they will have general safety, even in this world. وَهُمْ مُحْتَدُونَ And they are the ones who are rightly guided, meaning that they will be guided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this world, <coughs> and they will also be guided to success in the next world, and al-hidayah, as we mentioned previously, is of two types, hidayat al-tawfiq and hidayat al-dalala or al-irshad. Hidayat al-irshad, it means the guidance that someone, by information or knowledge, directs you to the way, shows you what's right or wrong, or the path. And that is possible for every human being. They might guide people by their knowledge. Al-hidayah, it is, it is by ilm and amal, by knowledge and by action. The hidayah or guidance by ilm, it is the way of the prophets and messengers and their followers and the ulama and the du'as who call to the way of Allah. And then there's the hidayat tawfiq that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala holds exclusively the ability to guide a person in their actions so that they will be successful in doing that which is pleasing to him and reach the destination of paradise. Here, those people who avoid shirk, who believe in Allah and worship him alone and avoid shirk, they are guaranteed safety in this world and more importantly from the punishment of the hellfire in the next and they're also guaranteed to be guided in this world on the right path and he died to tawfiq the success of reaching the paradise then Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah mentioned the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim an Ubadah ibn al-Samit radiyallahu anhu qal qala rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ubadah radiyallahu anhu said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, Man shahida an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah wa anna 
Muhammadan Abduhu wa Rasuluhu that whoever bears witness or testifies that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners. Yani nothing, la ilaha illallah, it means that there is no ilah, there is nothing, la ma'abud bihaq, there is nothing that is worshipped, that is worshipped, that deserves to be worshipped, that is worshipped rightfully and truly except Allah. There are many things that are worshipped, but the only thing that is worshipped, the only one that is worshipped, that is do that worship, it is Allah alone. This is the meaning of la ilaha illallah, that there is nothing that deserves to be worshipped except Allah. And it is wrong to say that la ilaha illallah means there is no God but Allah. There are many gods. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions so many verses in the Quran about the aliha, the gods of the pagan disbelievers. There are many gods, but only one deserves to be worshipped, that's Allah. And that's the meaning of la ilaha illallah. And then he affirms, in this statement of la ilaha illallah there is negation and affirmation. La ilaha is negation, that there is nothing negating any worship to anyone or anything. Illallah, this is affirmation, except it is worship is affirmed for Allah alone. And then it's further affirmed, wahdahu, that He alone deserves to be worshipped and He is alone in this, in this right of worship, la ilaha illallah, wahdahu, and there is no one along with Him deserving this worship. And then there is negation again, la sharika la. And it is negation of there being anyone or anything that deserves to be worshipped along with him by saying that he has no partner. So there is nothing that deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone. And he has no partners in this right to be worshipped alone. Whoever bears witness to this statement of la ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika la, wa anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu, and also bears witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant, the slave servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. Whoever bears witness to this, the second of the points of shahada, la ilaha illallah and Muhammad Rasulullah, that Muhammad is his slave and his messenger. And the third point of shahada, wa anna Isa abdullahi wa rasuluhu. And likewise, Isa is also the slave servant of Allah and his messenger. Just as the Prophet Muhammad is the abdullah wa rasuluhu, Isa, Jesus السلام, he is also abdullah wa rasuluhu. And in addition to that, that which is attributed to Isa alone, وَكَلِمَتُهُ أَلْقَاهَا إِلَى مَرْيَمْ And that he is, that is Isa, he is his word. كَلِمَتُهُ, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which he has bestowed upon Maryam. وَرُوحٌ مِنْهُ And he is also a spirit from him. A spirit from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not meaning that he is a part of Allah, or a part of Allah's spirit, but a spirit from Allah, meaning that he came forth. The source of his coming into existence is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of everything. Just as Allah created other things in this creation, he also created Isa. And he is a ruh, he is a spirit from amongst the arwah, the spirits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. All of the spirits, and every one of us has a spirit, and that spirit is created by Allah. And likewise Isa, he is also a spirit created by Allah. Not only a spirit, but also a body, because he is a slave of Allah and a messenger of Allah. But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to him as a spirit, yani as to give him an honor, an exclusive honor, that he is a creation that came forth, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is responsible for his creation. And also bearing witness that the paradise, it is true, it is a reality, it is in existence, there is no doubt about it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the paradise for those who obey him, those who believe in him and worship him alone. And also the hellfire, it is true, it is a reality. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created it. 
for those who disobey him and who disbelieve in him and who worship other things along with him. Whoever testifies to these five things, that La ilaha illallah wa Muhammad Rasulullah and that Isa is the slave of Allah and his messenger and that the Jannah it is a reality and the hellfire is a reality, whoever testifies to these things, Adkhalakullah al-Jannata, then Allah will admit him to the Jannah. Ala ma kana min al-amal. Based on whatever deeds he has done. He will be admitted into paradise. Whoever dies testifying on these things, believing in them sincerely, whatever deeds he has done, he will enter the paradise. If his good deeds were little, only a small amount, he will still enter paradise. Whatever. Ala ma kana min al-amal. Whatever his deeds were. Even if his good deeds were only little, but he died testifying to this, these realities, he is entitled to paradise. Whatever his deeds may be. Even if his evil deeds are many. Whatever his deeds may be. His good deeds may be little. His evil deeds may be plenty. But he is entitled to the paradise. If he dies with this testimony. Sincerely believing in it. And acting in accordance with it. This hadith is reported by both Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Then he mentions the hadith of Ibn radiallahu anhu. He says, وَلَهُمَا and also, it is reported by both of them, that is Al-Bukhari and Muslim, in the hadith of Ithban radiallahu anhu, he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَ عَلَى النَّارِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ يَبْتَغِي بِذَلِكَ وَجْهَ اللَّهِ That verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden the fire. He has حَرَّمَ عَلَى النَّارِ made it haram, forbidden for the fire, to touch whoever man qala la ilaha illallah whoever says la ilaha illallah yabtaghi bidhalika wajhallah seeking the face of Allah yani whoever says la ilaha illallah with the intention that he is saying it seeking the face of Allah meaning the face of Allah literally because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala confirmed that he has a face in the Quran and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam likewise confirms it in this hadith and the face of Allah will be seen by the believers in the next life. So whoever hopes to see the face of Allah, and they said, La ilaha illallah, with this intention, sincerely for the sake of Allah, Allah will prohibit the fire from touching them. Of course, the one who sincerely seeks the face of Allah, or does something for the pleasure of Allah, hoping to earn his pleasure, his reward, the paradise, if they are sincere, then they will not just say La ilaha illallah. But the one who says it sincerely will act in accordance with it. It means that it is not just merely pronunciation on the tongue, but it also means sincerity in saying this word means acting in accordance with it and what it requires of us. Let me mention the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Qudri radiallahu anhu and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama qal قال موسى عليه السلام يا رب علمني شيئا أذكرك وأدعوك به The Prophet of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that Musa the Prophet of Allah Musa عليه السلام said oh my Lord teach me something that I may remember you with it and that I may supplicate to you with it أذكرك وأدعوك به الذكر والدعاء Teach me something that would be a zikr, a means of praise of you, and it will also be a way of supplication, dua. 
teach me something that will be a zikr, a praise, and it will also be a dua. Qala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qul ya Musa. O Musa, say, La ilaha illallah. Say, La ilaha illallah. This La ilaha illallah, it is both a zikr, praise of Allah, and it is also a supplication, because the one who says it is seeking the pleasure of Allah by saying these words. It is a dua, and it is also a zikr. Qal, then Musa salam, he said, Ya Rabbi, Kullu ibadik yaquluna hadha. Oh my Lord, all of your servants are saying this. Yani everyone is saying, La ilaha illallah. This is, yani Musa is asking for something exclusive for him. And Allah is telling him to say something that everyone is saying. He said, everyone is saying this. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him to understand. What is the weight of this saying of La ilaha illallah? Qal, Ya Musa, O Musa, Law anna samawati as-sab'a wa'amirahunna ghayri wal-aradina as-sab'a fi kiffatin wa la ilaha illallah fi kiffatin malat bihinna la ilaha illallah. That this statement is not to be taken lightly, even if all the people are saying it. But how many are saying it sincerely? Fulfilling its conditions and acting in accordance with it. It is a weighty word. The, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet Musa salam, that if the seven heavens, yani the seven heavens, the creation of the seven heavens, وَعَامِرَهُنَّ And whatever is inhabiting them, or whoever is inhabiting them, all of its inhabitants, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and الْأَرَادِينَ السَّبْعَةِ And the seven earths, the seven earths, if they were all put together in one scale of the balance, on one side of a balance, if those seven heavens and seven earths and the inhabitants of the seven heavens were put into a scale, and la ilaha illallah were put into the other side, the other scale of the balance, then this la ilaha illallah would have outweighed the seven heavens and its inhabitants and the seven earths. And this hadith has been reported by Ibn Hibban in his Sahih and Al-Hakam in his book Al-Mustadraq Al-Sahihain and it is an authentic hadith. Then he mentions the hadith reported by At-Tirmidhi in his Sunan, and he said that it is Hassan. And indeed, the hadith is Hassan, as many of the scholars, including Ibn Hajar Askarani, Al-Sakhawi, and in contemporary times, Sheikh Muhammad Nasuddin Al-Albani, in his book Sahih, Sunan At-Tirmidhi, said that the hadith is Sahih, on the authority of Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu anhu, who said, سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَقُولُ قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى Anas said that I have heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala, Allah the Most High said, يَبْنَ Adam, O son of Adam, meaning to all of humanity, every one of us, لَوْ أَتَيْتَنِي بِقُرَابِ الْأَرْضِ خَطَايَا If you came to me, with sins equal to that which would fill the whole earth. Sins in the amount that it would fill the whole earth. Then you met me, meaning on Yawm Qiyamah, on the Day of Judgment, and you haven't worshipped anything along with me. You haven't committed shirk. Even if your sins were equal to that which would fill the earth, and you met me not having worshipped anything alongside with me, لَأَتَيْتُكَ 
بِقُرَابِهَا مَغْفِرَةً Then I would, have, I would come to you with forgiveness equal to that which would fill the earth. Yani, forgiveness equal to your sins. I would forgive you all of your sins. If you came to me with sins equal to that which would fill the earth, and you met me on the day of judgment not having made any shirk, then I will bring to you forgiveness equal to that which will fill the earth or equal to your sins. This hadith of Anas radiallahu anhu is indeed a bushra, a great news for the believers. And it is also a proof of the weight of a tawheed and the importance of avoiding shirk, of establishing a tawheed and avoiding shirk. This is the end of the evidences that the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah mentions concerning this chapter the merit or the excellence of a tawheed and that or the, and the sins that it removes. And then he mentions masail, fihi masail. And he, concerning this matter there are many important issues or matters and those masail as I said on a number of occasions they are not contained in the sharh. Some of them may be mentioned under some of the, under the ayah or under some of the hadiths that are mentioned, but the format in the sharh is not the same as the format in the original text. For this reason, we suggested that the translation of Kitab Tawheed by Matthew Dar Salam, it is useful to compare the translation as well, because the Messiah are listed exactly as they are in the original text. Here, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab uh, mentions 20 issues, 20 issues of importance contained in these evidences, in this verse of Quran and these hadith of the Prophet and every one of them require attention. But as quickly as possible we'll try to go to them so that we can look at the sharp. The first of those masail, the first masala, it is Sa'atu Fadlillah. The extensiveness or the expansiveness of the uh, favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is indicated in the hadith in which the Prophet said that Allah would enter a person into the paradise whatever their deeds may be. This shows that even if their deeds were very little that Allah out of his favor, his favor, his bounty is so extensive that whoever died on Tawheed testifying to these issues of Shahada then whatever their deeds may be, Allah out of his favor he would allow them, he would admit them into the paradise. The second issue is Kathratu Thawab Tawheed and Allah that the reward of Tawheed with Allah is too much, is so much, it is much, kathir. The reward of a Tawheed with Allah is so much that as mentioned in the hadith that if La ilaha illallah was put in one scale of the balance and on the other side with the seven heavens and its inhabitants and the seven earths, that it would outweigh it. This shows how much is the reward of a Tawheed or the true confession and admission with understanding and implementing that which it requires uh, of Tawheed of La ilaha illallah. The third issue is takfiruhu ma'adhalik lidhanub. Not only is the reward for it great, but along with that it also removes sins. Yani the saying, the sincere admission or confession of La ilaha illallah, not only the person will receive a great reward for it, but likewise it also removes sins as mentioned in the hadith of Anas. Ibn Malik radiallahu anhu that if you came to Allah with sins equal to that which would fill the earth but not making shirk then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come with forgiveness of those sins that which would be equal to it.
المسألة الرابعة the fourth issue is تفسير تفسير الآية التي في سورة الأنعام يعني the آية that الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب mentioned in the beginning of the chapter الذين آمنوا ولم يلبسوا إيمانهم بظلم that those who believe who establish توحيد and they don't mix it or corrupt it corrupt it with shirk then they would have الأمن safety from the from the hellfire and they would also have guidance in this world they would be rightly guided the explanation of this verse is also an issue that requires يعني, some attention and that is that we should understand that those who believe and don't mix their iman with, with zulm it means the person who establishes tawheed and doesn't corrupt it by making any kind of shirk then the reward for them is great they would be rightly guided in this world and they would also be protected they would be safe from the punishment of the hellfire <clears throat> the fourth issue is the need to, con- to ponder upon or to consider the five matters that are mentioned in the hadith of Ubadah Ibn As-Samit radiallahu anhu where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned five things that a person should testify to the first of them is the tawheed of Allah the second of them is the messengership of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the third of them is the messengership the prophethood and ubudiyah of Isa alayhi salam and the fourth of them is the reality in having iman in the fact that al-jannah it is true and it is a reality and the fifth of them is iman in the reality or the fact of an-nar the hellfire the sixth issue he said annaka idha jama'ata baynahu wa bayna hadith katban وما بعده تبين لك معنى قوله لا اله الا الله وتبين لك خطا المغرورين يعني if we combine that which is understood from the hadith of Atban and that which came after it of the other hadith of Anas then we will understand what is the true meaning of لا اله الا الله يعني هو بسد لا اله الا الله هو بسد لا اله الا الله الله سبحانه وتعالى would prohibit the fire from touching it means number one it has to be that they say they are saying this word seeking the face of Allah and also number two avoiding any shirk yani whoever came to Allah with sins equal to that which will fill the earth but they didn't do any shirk then Allah would forgive all of their sins in that amount and whoever says la ilaha illallah seeking the face of Allah then likewise this is Yani, these are the conditions that the person should do it, should say it sincerely for the sake of Allah and they should also avoid shirk. So that means that the saying of la ilaha illallah it has to be with sincerity and if it is with sincerity it has to be implemented meaning that the person who says la ilaha illallah has to avoid shirk. Otherwise what is the benefit of saying la ilaha illallah and then worshipping something along with Allah. That means they haven't said it with sincerity. The mere profession on the tongue of la ilaha illallah is not sufficient. But the sincerity of that statement is manifested in action. So actions are of a necessity. And the Prophet ﷺ said that a person would enter paradise عَلَى مَا كَانَ مِنَ الْعَمَلِ Meaning that if they testified to these tropes, that they would enter paradise no matter what their deeds, but it is a necessity that they have to have deeds. It's not enough just to say, but there have to be some deeds, even if they are small. The seventh issue, التنبيح للشرط الذي في حديث اتبان that is, the seventh issue is uh, what we just mentioned that it's not sufficient just to say la ilaha illallah 
as the munafiqeen, the hypocrites, they also used to say, La ilaha illallah, but it didn't benefit them at all. Therefore, the real issue is it has to be with sincerity, and the person has to act upon it, yani avoiding shirk, which is the condition of the truthfulness of the person who says, La ilaha illallah. The eighth issue is the fact that the anbiya were in need of it being brought to their attention, the virtue or the excellence of La ilaha illallah. As the Prophet وسلم, uh, said that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Musa to say La ilaha illallah, he said all people are saying this. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had to bring to his attention that it's not just a mere fact of saying. The saying itself is a great saying, but there has to be something backing it, sincerity and action. So if this had to be brought to the attention of the Prophet, then what about you and I? How much more does it have to be brought to the attention of the common people? If Musa salam, thought that all people are saying this, tell me something else, then how much more do the people, ourselves included, perhaps think that this saying of La ilaha illallah is not that significant? Therefore we take it lightly. But we shouldn't take it lightly. We should know that if the heavens, seven heavens and all of its inhabitants were put in a scale along with the seven earths, that La ilaha illallah, if it's said sincerely and acted upon, it would outweigh all of that. This shows the weightiness of La ilaha illallah and we should take it seriously. And the ninth issue is what we just mentioned, yani bringing to the attention, bringing to our attention the fact that all of the creation, uh, wouldn't be equal to La ilaha illallah. Even though, that is the saying itself, the seven heavens and the seven earths are not equal to the saying of La ilaha illallah. However, we should make note and be aware that many of the people who say La ilaha illallah, their scales will not be weighty, even though they have said La ilaha illallah. The saying itself is weighty, but it doesn't have weight unless the one who says it is backing it with sincerity and actions. So the weight of this word it will be weighty according to the one who says it. Therefore, don't just think that it is so weighty, I will just say La ilaha illallah, and it will weigh down my scales of goodness. But many people's scales will be light in good deeds, even though they said La ilaha illallah, because they haven't acted in accordance with the meaning and the requirements of La ilaha illallah. The tenth issue, النص على أن الأراضين سبعون كالسماوات يعني proof, textual proof, in the actual words of the Prophet ﷺ, that the earths are seven. Al-Aradina Sab'un. The earths are seven in number. Kasamawat, like the heavens. The number of earths are seven. Like the number of the heavens are seven. And here a mistake came in the translation of the Sharh and also in the text. And they translated the statement that the seven heavens and the seven earths are inhabited because of perhaps a misunderstanding of the statement here of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab where he says first in point number 10 textual proof that the heavens are seven in number they, some of the books wrote Al-Aradina As-Sab'a Kassamawad that the, the seven earths are like the heavens but he didn't say the seven heavens, the seven earths. He said the earths are seven, like the heavens. There's a difference between saying Al-Aradina As-Sab'a and Al-Aradina Sab'un, without Alif Lam. 
One of them is the description, the seven heavens, and this one, the way he stated it here, is that the earths are seven, not the seven earths. So the earths are seven in number, like the heavens. And this, in the next point, he said, point number 11, أَنَّ لَهُنَّ أُمَّارًا And that the, the heavens, the last thing he mentioned here, the heavens, that they have inhabitants. It was translated here that the seven heavens and its inhabitants and the seven earths are like the seven heavens inhabited. That they are like the seven heavens being inhabited. But the, the fact of the matter is the statement here is that the heavens, the seven heavens are inhabited and the earths are seven in number like the heavens. Not that they are inhabited. And the proof of this is the text of the hadith itself where the Prophet ﷺ said, That the inhabitants are, 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 are a description of the seven heavens. That the seven heavens and its inhabitants, and the earths, he didn't say in its inhabitants. The text of the hadith is a proof that the Prophet ﷺ attributed inhabitants to the seven heavens and not to the seven earths. Anyway, you can take note of this and look at the translation and pay attention to it. That here what is confirmed in the hadith is that there are seven heavens and there are seven earths and that the seven heavens are inhabited. As for the inhabitants of the seven earths, Allahu A'lam, we don't have knowledge of this. The twelfth issue, Isbat al-Sifat khilafan lil-Ash'ariyah, confirmation of the Sifat, the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in contradiction to those who denied his Sifat, the Ash'ariyah. Shaykh Muhammad ibn, Abdu, uh, Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah made a note concerning this point. He said that in some of the texts of Kitab al-Tawheed it is mentioned that Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab said Isbat al-Sifat khilafan lil-Mu'attila Instead of al-Ashariya he said al-Mu'attila and al-Mu'attila include the Ashariya as well as the Mu'attila, the Jahmiya and others of those who deviated who denied the characteristics of Allah that are confirmed in the Quran and Sunnah and he said this reading Al-Mu'attila, it is better because it is more general. It not only includes those who deviated from amongst the Ashariya, but it also includes the others who deviated, who denied the names of Allah who did Ta'atil, that is the Mu'attila and the Jahmiya and those who followed their way. <coughs> and also, yani, when I was checking this issue about the inhabitants of the seven heavens and the seven earths, I found the hadith which also the matter seems to be left open about the inhabitants of the earth and that is the hadith in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that the seven heavens and whoever is in them وَمَنْ men and whoever is in them وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا and whatever is between them وَالْأَرَادُونَ وَمَا and the seven earths and whatever is in it yeah, the Prophet ﷺ used the word here As-Samawat, As-Sab'a, wa man fihinna In reference to the earth he said Al-Aradona, As-Sab'a, wa ma fihinna He used the word that is normally used yani men, which is normally used for the aql or that which has intelligence and in the other reference to the earth he used ma which is normally used for that which is ghayr aql or that which doesn't have intelligence and this suggests that there is a difference between the inhabitants or that which exists in the heavens and that which exists in the seven earths. 
And he said that these seven heavens and whoever is in them and what is between them and the seven earths and whatever is in them and what is between them fil kursi illa kahalaq halaqa mulqatin bi ardin falah yani that these seven heavens and the seven earths and whatever is in them are nothing more than like in reference to the kursi the kursi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they are no more than like a piece a metal ring that's thrown out in the open desert yani the seven heavens and the seven earths and whatever is in them are insignificant in comparison to the kursi of Allah as the insignificance of a metal ring thrown in the desert and the arsh of Allah is greater than the kursi of Allah in any case this hadith seems to suggest that there is a difference between that which inhabits the seven heavens men fihinna and that which inhabits the seven earths ma fihinna and Allah knows best the twelfth issue annaka idha arafta hadith anas arafta anna qawlahu fi hadith itban fa inna Allah harram ala nar man qala la ilaha illa Allah yabtaghi bi thalika wajh Allah أن ترك الشرك ليس قولها باللسان يعني that whoever understands the hadith of Anas the hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that whoever comes to him with sins equal to that which will fill the earth and then they meet him without making shirk then he would meet them or come to them with forgiveness equal to their sins whoever understands this hadith and the condition of it that you shouldn't practice shirk then it will help you to understand the hadith of Isban that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbid the fire from touching whoever says La ilaha illallah seeking the face of Allah it means seeking the face of Allah the condition is the same condition as the condition of the hadith Anas seeking the face of Allah means that the person should do it sincerely and avoid shirk that means that this seeking the face of Allah it's not sufficient just to say it on the tongue but it has to be in actions then he says, point number 14, the, the 14th issue, consider the combining or the joining between the fact of Isa السلام, and Muhammad وسلم, that they are Abde Allah wa Rasulayhi. That these two prophets, Isa and Muhammad السلام, that both of them are slaves of Allah and both of them are messengers of Allah. And this is an important point, and the Shaykh. Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab says, Ta'ammul, consider, think about this point, that in the hadith of Ubadah, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned these two equally, that Isa السلام, he is Abdullah, that's Ubudiyah, slavery, servitude to Allah, and he is Rasuluhu al-Risala, that he attributed him two characteristics, the characteristic of Ubudiyah, slavery to Allah, and the characteristic of Risala, messengership. And likewise, he attributed the same thing to the Messenger of Allah, Muhammad al-Risala. And this means that both of them, both of them are similar in this, that they are both slaves of Allah and they are messengers. And from this we can understand, number one, that whoever is a slave of Allah, then he shouldn't be worshipped. If he is an abd, then he shouldn't be worshipped. Meaning Muhammad wasallam as well as Isa salam, that they shouldn't be worshipped. And those who go to the extreme, and make Isa as the God besides of Allah from amongst the Christians are similar to those who go to the extreme and make the Prophet Muhammad as a God besides Allah such as the railway people in the Indian subcontinent they raise him up to being as something divine as though he's a God besides Allah and this is a mistake and likewise whoever understands that they have the characteristic of Risala that they are messenger 
the messenger who is sent from Allah, he must be believed, he should not be denied. If indeed he is the messenger of Allah, then he cannot be denied, but we should believe in what he says to us. Uh, and likewise, also, they are similar in another point, that is, that since both of them are servants of Allah and messengers, and he mentioned them together, and made a comparison between them, then we know from this, that just as the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, he is a human being, then likewise, the characteristic of Bashariya, of humanity, is attributed to Isa salam. he is also a human being. He is also a human being, and he is not a God, nor the Son of God. And this is a refutation against the Christians and Jews. The fact that he is the slave of Allah is a refutation against the Christians who said that he is a God. And the fact that he is the messenger of Allah is a refutation against the Jews who tried to claim, who said, who spoke evil against him and didn't even accept him as a messenger or a prophet. Uh, the fifteenth issue, being aware or knowing that there is a special exclusive characteristic that is attributed to Isa salam, and that is that he is Kalimatullah, that he is the word of Allah meaning that he came into existence by the word of Allah kun fayakun that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said be and he was yani the existence of Isa alayhi salam he came into existence by the word of Allah kun fayakun and therefore he is referred to as kalimatullah and this is an exclusive title or description given to Isa alayhi salam the 16th issue knowledge of the fact that he is a ruh ruhun minhu that he is also described as a spirit from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this means that huh? in the hadith he said ruhun minhu yani that he is a spirit from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but we should understand that the meaning of this is not that he is a part of Allah or he is part of the spirit of Allah but we should understand that this means that he is a spirit created like the other spirits that are created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and this is yani, this type of expression is used for honor or to give status to something just as the Ka'b is referred to as the Baytullah and just as the Camel and the Qur'an was referred to as Naqatullah so this here also is used in a similar fashion to refer to the high status or respect that should be given to the Prophet of Allah Isa uh, the seventeenth issue knowledge of the fact of the merit or the excellence of having Al-Iman Bil-Jannah Wal-Nar that whoever has faith in the paradise and the hellfire, then indeed this is a virtue, it is a merit and an excellence. And this true belief in the Jannah and the Nar, it is an inspiration and a motivation that moves a person to act in the way that will be pleasing to Allah so that they may earn that paradise that they believe in and that they may avoid that hellfire that they believe in. or be admitted to the paradise ala ma kana min al-amal yani based on whatever were their deeds then this makes us to know a number of things from amongst them is that as we said even if their deeds were little if they testified sincerely to those things which Allah required of us then they would be admitted into the paradise even if their deeds were few were few and likewise ala ma kana min al-amal indicates that even if their deeds were evil and even if the evil deeds were many, but if they died on Tawheed without making shirk, then they would still be admitted into the paradise because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised that they would enter the paradise whatever their deeds were. Whatever their deeds were, good or evil, plenty or little, as long as they died on Tawheed worshipping Allah alone. The seventeenth issue is ma'rifata anna al-mizan 
له كفتان that the mizan, the balance, it has two scales that, that, would, that would be يعني, weighed in it, the good and bad deeds and, and the 20th issue, معرفت الذكر وجه يعني, knowing and being aware of the fact of the mention of the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this face it is a sifa of the sifat of Allah it is one of the characteristics or qualities that is established and confirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it may be referred to in some cases as one of the sifat of zatiyah because it is a characteristic that describes something about the that of Allah the person of Allah himself as opposed to his sifat of fi'liya his actions the things that he may do this is one of the sifat of his being, his self, his that. These are the end of the issues. Uh, and in the time remaining, inshallah, we look at the sharh. From page 17, the bottom of page 17, where the, the explainer, uh, Shaykh Al-Qur'awi, Hafidhullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, mentions first the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who believe and do not adulterate their faith or do not mix their iman or their tawheed with zulm, meaning shirk, for them there is safety and they are rightly guided. This is from Surah Al-An'am, chapter 6, verse 82. Allah, subha- Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us that whoever, the meaning of this verse is that whoever practiced tawheed without confusing or mixing their iman or their tawheed with shirk, verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised him safety from the fire and the hereafter and he will guide him to the straight path in this life the benefits derived from this verse verse number one that faith or iman when it is mixed with shirk has no value and if a person claims to believe but they practice shirk then there is no benefit from the iman which has been polluted or corrupted with the worship of other than Allah this is the seriousness of shirk that a Muslim should avoid at all costs number two the shirk is referred to as zulm by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this place and in other places number three that whosoever does not confuse or mix his faith his belief his iman with shirk is promised safety from punishment in the hereafter then he mentions the relevance of this verse to the subject of tawheed and it's clear the relationship of this verse to the subject of tawheed is very very clear and this ayah talks about the importance of tawheed that a person should avoid the opposite of tawheed that is shirk and whoever doesn't mix their tawheed with shirk then they will be given two rewards that is safety and also that they will be safety from the punishment and they will be rightly guided then he mentions the second proof that is the hadith of Ubadah ibn Isamir radiallahu anhu that he said that Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi said whoever testifies or bear witness in these five things that none is worthy of worship except Allah alone without partners and that Muhammad sallallahu is his slave and his messenger number two and that number three, that Isa السلام, is his slave and messenger and his word which he has bestowed upon Maryam and a spirit created from him, a spirit from amongst the spirits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created and that number four, that paradise and number five, the hellfire are realities that really exist, they exist now they're already in existence as the Prophet وسلم, has proven in a number of hadith in which he was shown the paradise and the hellfire uh, that whoever testifies to these things Allah will admit him to paradise whatever his deeds might be narrated by Al-Bukhari. This hadith tells that whoever pronounced the shahada of La ilaha illallah, understanding its meaning, knowing the meaning of La ilaha illallah, and acting in accordance with it in his worship, yani that not giving any type of worship, whatever type it may be, openly or hidden, speech or actions or otherwise, 
even the actions of the heart such as love and hope and fear, all of these are acts of worship that belong to Allah alone. Whoever understands the meaning of La ilaha illallah and acts in accordance with his worship, affirming his belief in the status or the prophethood of Muhammad وسلم, as his slave and messenger, and likewise believing in Isa السلام, his status as a slave and messenger of Allah, and that he was created by Allah's word B from Maryam, Allah's be, a peace be upon both of them, and that he absolved her from the charges leveled against her by the iniquitous Jews, affirmed his belief in paradise for the believers and hellfire for the disbelievers, and dies in this state of belief will enter paradise in spite of his deeds. In spite of his deeds. Even if his deeds didn't appear to be enough to enter paradise. Even if his evil deeds were more than what anyone could expect that a person with all of those sins could enter paradise, in spite of his deeds, he would enter the paradise. And by the way, the conditions of La ilaha illallah have been mentioned by a number of the scholars. And if there's time, we may mention that there are seven. The first of them, al-ilm, knowledge. The second of them, al-yaqeen, certainty. Yani that a person should know the meaning of La ilaha illallah and should be certain about it. And the third of them, al-sidq, that they should say it truthfully, not lyingly. And the fourth of them, uh, al-ikhlas, saying it for the sake of Allah alone, not do- saying it for someone else, yani doing it for the reasons of shirk. And also al-mahabba, loving this word and whatever it entails and not hating it. And al-inqiyad, submission to it and not turning away from it. And al-qubul, acceptance, acceptance of this word of la ilaha illallah and all that it entails without rejecting it. Naam. The benefits derived from this hadith that the Muslim shahada or testimony is the essence of deen, of religion. That the shahada is not valid except from one who understands its meaning and acts accordingly. And there is no benefit from the shahada except the person knows what it means and acts according to that meaning. Number three, the mentioning together of the Prophet status as slave and messenger is a refutation of those who make exaggerated claims for him. In the footnote he mentions the railways in the Indian subcontinent and one of the scholars, Sheikh Ihsan uh, al-Ilahi wrote a, a, a lengthy book concerning these people and their beliefs and whoever will read it will see that not only they claimed the Prophet ﷺ to be as a God besides Allah and Divine but they even attributed to him uh, some things that uh, you cannot imagine could be attributed to anything in the creation. Then he says, number four, affirmation of the status of Isa as Allah's slave and messenger and this is a rebuttal or a refutal, refutation of the claims of Godhood made by the Christians. Number five, an affirmation of Allah's attribute or sifa of al-kalam or speech. This is one of the characteristics of Allah, al-kalam, that Allah speaks. In these verses or in this verse or in these hadith there is the mention uh, or the proof that there is one of the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that He speaks. Also that Isa salam, was created from Maryam by his word, by the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, be kun fayakun without a father, and this is a refutation of this is a refutation of the claims of the Jews who accused Maryam of the sin, Maryam of the sin of fornication. Number seven, affirmation of the resurrection of mankind on the day of judgment. Finally, that people will be resurrected and judged and they will be admitted to the paradise of hellfire according to their deeds. Number eight, confirmation of the existence of paradise and hellfire, that they are reality, that they exist. And number nine, that the sinning Muslims, the Muslims who die on Tawheed, even though they committed sins, will not dwell eternally in the hellfire, as long as they died on Tawheed. The Muslims who died on Tawheed. As for those people who claim La ilaha illallah, or worship other than Allah, acts of shirk, especially as shirk al-akbar, major shirk, then their condition is different. Relevance of this hadith to the subject of Tawheed is clear. 
Then he mentions the hadith of Itban reported by the Prophet, that the Prophet ﷺ said, Indeed, Allah has forbidden the hell, or forbidden from the hell the person who testifies that none is worthy of worship except Allah, seeking nothing by it but Allah's countenance. Yani, it's more clear to say seeking nothing by it except Allah's face. Because this is what is mentioned in the hadith that the person, the face of Allah. And the use of this word, countenance, perhaps it might not be clear. So it's better that we make it clear that the meaning of the statement of the Prophet ﷺ is that a person uh, testifies to the, to the worship, that Allah alone deserves to be worshipped, seeking the face of Allah by this. And this hadith informs us that Allah ﷻ will save the one from the punishment of the hellfire, or He will save from the punishment of the hellfire all those who confirm His oneness, His tawheed, His uniqueness, and act in accordance with that, intending nothing thereby except to get close to Allah without Riyah and without sum'ah. Riyah is doing something that people, so that people may see you and praise you for it. And as sum'ah, it is doing something so that people may hear about what you have done, so that you may get a reputation or become famous from it. The benefits from this hadith, he mentions three. The first of them is that none who sincerely believe in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enter the hellfire. Yani, no one who sincerely believes in the oneness of Allah, in the tawheed of Allah, the uniqueness of Allah, will enter the hellfire. And of course this requires some explanation. Yani the person who dies on Tawheed without, without practicing any shirk, major or minor, then that person will enter the hellfire. And the person who dies worshipping something besides Allah, committing major shirk, then that person will definitely enter the hellfire. Yani the person who, who didn't practice any shirk would enter the paradise, and the person who practiced major shirk who died on it without repenting from it, then they would definitely enter the hellfire. And as for those who died on Tawheed without uh, practicing major shirk, or if they did any acts of major shirk, they repented from it sincerely, then it will depend on their deeds. The persons whose good deeds outweigh the evil deeds, then they would be entering the paradise, and those whose evil deeds outweigh their good deeds without committing major shirk, then if the evil deeds outweigh the good deeds, then they would, it would, it would be yani, right that they enter the hellfire, and if they deserve to enter the hellfire, but even that we cannot say because as the Prophet ﷺ made it clear that these people, Allah may forgive them if He wills and that would be out of His mercy or He may punish them if He wills justly. And if they deserve to enter the hellfire, but perhaps Allah might forgive them. Number two, that words and deeds are of no value without the intention of getting close to Allah, without intention to get near to Allah to earn His pleasure. And number three, confirmation of Allah's attribute of a face as mentioned in this hadith. Then he mentioned the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri in which Musa salam asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to teach him something by which he remember him and supplicate to him uh, and then yani, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him to know the importance of the word of Tawheed that it would outweigh the seven, the seven heavens and their inhabitants and the seven earths if they were put on a balance the seven heavens and earth on one side and the sincere saying of la ilaha illallah on the other side this hadith mentioned the Sahib ibn Hibban and Mustadraq al-Hakam is an authentic hadith. In this hadith he says that the Prophet informed us that Allah's Messenger Musa requested Allah to teach him a special act of worship by which he might worship Allah and praise Him and get closer to Him. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him the words of sincerity, yani the words of al-ikhlas, which are la ilaha illallah. But Musa asked Allah to teach him something else because the shahada was well known to all the people at which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him that were this shahada to be weighed against the seven heavens and the seven earths and all that is in them, he would outweigh them.
what is the essence of every religion and the foundation of every community. From this hadith he mentions seven points. The first of them that it's permissible to ask Allah for something, especially for oneself. It's permissible to do so as Musa alayhi salam asks Allah for something special for himself. Number two, that the messengers alayhi salam know not except what Allah informs them. Yani that they don't have any knowledge, even the prophets and messengers don't have any knowledge more than other people except what Allah has revealed to them, except what Allah tells them or teaches them. Number three, confirmation of Allah's attribute of speech. Yani that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks as Allah in this hadith the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah spoke to Musa, spoke to him and talked to him and told him to say La ilaha illallah. So this is a sifa of Allah al-kalam that we affirm for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't deny it and we know that it is real speech. But the speech of Allah like the rest of his characteristics are different than the speech of creatures. And the face of Allah is different than the face of creatures and so on. Number four, evidence of the fact that the heavens contain inhabitants. And this is mentioned, the Prophet ﷺ said, the seven heavens wa and the inhabitants of the seven heavens. And number five, which is a mistake, proof that the seven earths, like the seven heavens, are inhabited. Yani that the seven earths are like the seven heavens inhabited. The seven earths are like the seven heavens in number. But as for them being inhabited, there is no proof in the text of this hadith. And this is not the statement of the author, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah. Uh, and Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Haymin discussed this issue in detail and said that the correct meaning of this is what we have said that the similarity between the seven heavens and the seven earths it is in number evidence of the difference between some deeds and others يعني, that la ilaha illallah is a deed and it is different than other deeds some deeds are more weighty with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than others some deeds are more rewardable number seven that the hadith clearly demonstrates the greatness and virtue of la ilaha illallah then uh, the last hadith, the hadith of Anas radiallahu anhu, he said that Allah's Messenger وسلم, said that Allah in Hadith Qudsi said, O son of Adam, were you to come to me with the world full of sins and meet me without associating any partner with this condition, without making shirk, I will come to you with a similar amount of forgiveness reported by At-Tirmidhi in the Hadith is Sahih. Uh, so here he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us in this hadith that whoever dies sincerely believing in Tawheed, having rejected all manner of shirk, Allah will replace his bad deeds with good, even if his sins were to fill the earth or to almost fill it. And here, Allahu A'lam, uh, the translation is accurate from the book, but where the author got this point from, Allah knows best, that whoever uh, declared the oneness of Allah, who believed in the oneness of Allah and died on Tawheed, even if their sins were equal to the sins of the earth, that Allah would replace their sins with good deeds, the text of the hadith doesn't indicate that. Although, uh, there's proof from the Qur'an that there's situation, there are circumstances in which Allah may replace the person who did bad deeds before the Islam and they came to Islam and made the Islam well, then Allah will replace their bad deeds with good deeds. As for every person who commits sins, if they don't commit shirk, then Allah will replace their evil deeds with good deeds, it's not mentioned in the hadith and how he derived this from the hadith, Allahu A'lam, I don't know. But I checked some of the other explanations of Kitab al-Tawheed, including the detailed explanation of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Faymin, rahimahullah, and he doesn't mention anything like this, but he mentions the point that's derived from this hadith is that Allah would bring forgiveness equal to the amount of sins of that person, which is clearly derived from the text of the hadith. Here he mentions from this hadith a number of points, and this is the last thing that he mentions. From this hadith he mentions the confirmation from amongst the sifat of Allah, the sifa or the characteristic of al-kalam, speech. 
as this is a hadith Qudsi, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is speaking in this hadith. Number two, the proof of vastness, the vastness of Allah's generosity and mercy is, is shown in this hadith clearly that Allah would forgive a person even if their deeds were, or their sins were equal to that which would fill the earth as long as they didn't make shirk. Number three, that to die in a state of belief in the oneness of the tawheed of Allah is a condition of obtaining Allah's forgiveness and this matter necessitates explanation and here he mentions the four conditions of a person, the one who died uh, upon shirk akbar, major shirk. That person will dwell eternally in the hellfire. And the opposite of this is the one who died not having practiced major shirk or minor shirk. And that person will dwell eternally in the paradise. And the last two conditions are those who died without committing, who died without committing major shirk or minor shirk. But they died with some sins. And he sins that they didn't forgive, that they didn't uh, repent from. And here he says that one of them is the one whose good deeds outweighs his sins. Then that person will enter paradise. And the second one is the one whose sins outweigh his good deeds. And that person will enter the fire, but will not remain there and forever. And the author actually says here, استحقوا دخول النار. استحقوا دخول النار. It doesn't mean that he will enter the fire. It means that he deserves to enter the fire. And this is based on the fact that Allah may forgive them as long as they died on Tawheed. Even if they committed, even if their sins outnumbered their good deeds. But as long as يعني, uh, they didn't practice major shirk, then Allah may forgive them their sins. So, istahaqqu dhukul anna, it means that they deserve to enter the fire, but Allah may forgive whoever He please. The person in this condition is tahta mashiyat Allah. They will be under the will of Allah. Allah will do with them as He wills. If He forgives them, that's His mercy. And if He punish them, that's justice. Uh, this is the end of what he says concerning this matter, and this is where we can stop. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Perhaps yani, we can just take a couple of questions. Uh, now, the problem is uh, some of it we can hear and some of it we can't. Allahu a'lam, Allahu musta'an. If we had a mu'adhan, it would be nice. At least if we open the door so we can hear the adhan. Otherwise, how can we respond to it? Maybe somebody will call the adhan for us, inshallah. Uh, from amongst the questions of the sisters, if anyone has a question or comment or a correction, there's a chance now. First, from the sisters, assalamu alaikum. If you please kindly answer the questionnaire below. If this, if this is time, jazakallah khair. <laughs> if I answer the questions, I don't have a paper. Can somebody give me one of these papers? Anybody else have a question? Something that wasn't clear before we attempt to answer these questions quickly. Now, just as in so many places in the Quran it is mentioned as in the hadith of the Prophet concerning the slave girl who was punished by her master and brought to the Prophet ﷺ and he asked her he asked her about her condition, her iman. He asked her, Where is Allah? And she said, Fisama. This Fisama is understood to mean that it is the direction, direction, the jihad of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not like some of the deviants who said that Allah is not in any direction. He is not above nor below, nor right or left, nor in front nor behind. This falsehood. 
because something that is neither above nor below nor, nor on the right or the left or in front or in back it doesn't exist but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists and Allah is above his throne and his throne is above the seven heavens his throne is above the seven heavens so the meaning that Allah is fis sama and here in this hadith the meaning is the same it means that it is an indication of the direction of Allah that Allah is above and some of the scholars said that as sama it actually means al-ulu the meaning of as sama it means al-ulu highness so Allah being fis sama it means not that he is contained in the heavens he is not encompassed by the heavens but Allah is greater than this creation Allah is greater than the whole of the creation and he cannot be contained within his creation but the meaning of Allah fis sama here and in other places it means that Allah is high above as sama it means al-ulu and this is as we mentioned on a number of occasions that fi in Arabic has many meanings maybe it has 15 or 20 different meanings in the Arabic language linguistically and one of the meanings of fi is ala it means upon as we said as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran fasiru fil ard so travel in the earth it doesn't mean underneath the earth it means above the earth travel above the earth upon the earth so fi here it means above that Allah fi sama means that Allah is above above the heavens Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran in seven different places that he ascended above his throne when he created the heavens and earth ثُمَّ اسْتَوَىٰ عَلَى الْأَرْشِ he ascended above the arsh and the arsh is above the seven heavens so that means Allah could not be in the heavens but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is high above them this is the meaning of the statement here in this hadith and Allah knows this is there any other comment or question from the brothers Quickly, looking at the handout, these questions, it is better that you write them for your own benefit because the examination will come from these questions. But in any case, we can just look at them quickly, explain the underlying words in the following. It is those who believe, this ayah from the Quran, Surah Al-An'am, it is those who believe and do not adulterate their faith with zulm, wrongdoing for them their safety and they are rightly guided. Believe, amanu iman, here it means tawheed. And zulm, it means shirk. And safety, it means specifically safety or punishment from the hellfire and rightly guided means that they will be rightly guided in this world that they will be given the guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the matters in this world number two explain the meaning of la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika in the hadith of Ubadah ibn Samit the meaning of la ilaha illallah is that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah not that there is no God but Allah it means that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah and wahdahu is affirmation is affirmation or confirmation of the fact that he is the one who deserves to be worshipped. And la sharika lahu is confirmation or negation, further negation of the fact that nothing deserves to be worshipped along with him, that he has no partners in that which is exclusively his right to be worshipped. Will you be saved from the fire by simply pronouncing the words of shahada? Look at the hadith, it's bad. And no one will be saved from the fire simply by pronouncing the words of shahada even though the hadith said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would prevent he would prohibit the hellfire from touching anyone who said la ilaha illallah but the meaning of it is that that person is sincerely seeking the face of Allah by saying those words and that means that the saying of it is not sufficient but there has to be sincerity and the one who sincerely says la ilaha illallah then their actions would manifest it in that they would never worship anything along with Allah and this the avoiding of worshipping anything along with Allah is the thing that will protect them or prohibit the fire from touching them. What is the meaning of Muhammad is his slave servant and his messenger and what does this testimony require of us? The meaning of Muhammad, Muhammad Abdullah wa Rasuluhu, it means that he is the slave of Allah and therefore should not be worshipped. 
and he is the messenger of Allah and therefore should not be denied but he should be believed and he is the messenger of Allah therefore he should be believed no one should deny what he says if he is the messenger of Allah and what it requires of us is that we believe in him as a prophet and messenger and that we obey what he commands us to do and we avoid what he prohibits us from and we believe in whatever he has informed us of of the things of the past or of the things of the future whatever he may tell us about all of this is included in what is required of us based on this statement of Muhammadan Abduhu Rasulullah. What is the meaning of Isa as the slave servant of Allah and his messenger? And who are the two groups refuted by this statement? The meaning of Isa, Abdullah wa Rasuluhu, also it means the same, that he is the slave of Allah, therefore he should not be worshipped, as the Christians worship him, who is the first group that is refuted, and he is also the messenger of Allah, yani he is one that should be believed. The message that he brought, brought is true, and he should not be denied, as he was denied by the Jews, the first people who he went to, they rejected him. They didn't accept him as a prophet and a messenger. Uh, why is Isa السلام, referred to as Kalimatullah, the word of Allah bestowed upon Maryam? He's referred to as Kalimatullah because he was created by the word of Allah. Kun fayakun, be and he was. Why is Isa referred to as Ruhun Minhu, a spirit from him, a spirit from Allah? Explain. It means he is referred to as a spirit from him as an honor, a status of honor for Isa in his creation. He is a, a, a spirit from him, meaning that he is a spirit from amongst the spirits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. But he is given special status here, even especially in light of the fact that he was a prophet and a messenger and that his creation was in a special way. Explain, Allah will admit him to paradise, whatever his deeds might be in the hadith of Ubadah radiallahu anhu. It means that Allah would, inter- would admit him to paradise what, no matter what his deeds and as long as he died on Tawheed he would enter the paradise no matter what his deeds even if his evil deeds were many eventually he would enter the paradise even if he was punished for some of his deeds eventually he would come out of hellfire and enter into the paradise and even if his good deeds were few even if his good deeds were few still he would enter paradise based on the, the excellence of the sincere testimony of La ilaha illallah and acting in accordance with its meaning no matter what his deeds may be, even if his good deeds are few or his evil deeds are many. Mention the seven shurut or conditions for the acceptance of La ilaha illallah. We said that the conditions or the shurut of La ilaha illallah and the proofs for them are explained in detail in books. Uh, they are, the first of them is al-ilm, knowledge. And its opposite is jahl, ignorance. And a person should have knowledge of the meaning of La ilaha illallah. It's batin wa nafyan. Yani what it affirms and what it negates. It negates that worship belongs to anything other than Allah and it affirms that worship is for Allah alone. We should have knowledge of this and not be ignorant of it. The second of them is al-yakin whose opposite is a shak That a person should have certainty about this statement of la ilaha illallah and not be in doubt about it ever. The third of them is al-sidq that a person should say it truthfully and that its opposite is kazib that a person says la ilaha illallah lying not really believing in it. A person should say it truthfully. And the fourth of them is al-ikhlas, that a person should say it for Allah alone, not for any other reason. And its opposite is shirk, saying it for something or someone or some benefit other than sincerely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the fifth of them is al-inqiyad, yani full submission, willing submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the meaning of this word and what it entails, having submission to it and whatever it entails. And the opposite of it is al-irad, yani turning away from, abandoning or turning one's back to that which is required by the meaning of La ilaha illallah. And the sixth of them is Al-Qubul, 
acceptance and its opposite is arrad, rejection. That a person should accept la ilaha illallah when it is brought to them. And whatever it entails, if someone came and told you that this is wrong what you are doing, it's a contradiction of tawheed, a person should accept la ilaha illallah and what it entails and not reject it. And the last of them is al-mahabba or love, a person should love la ilaha illallah in its meaning and not uh, have anything of that which is the opposite of it, al-kirahiya or al-bold, that a person, any yani hatred and detesting the la ilaha illallah or its meaning. Uh, what is the condition upon which all a person's sins might be forgiven even if these sins were enough to fill the earth? And this is in the hadith of Anas ibn Malik, radiallahu anhu, the last hadith. The condition for a person's sins to be forgiven is that they shouldn't have, they should meet Allah without having practice shirk. And if they meet Allah, as he said, وَإِن لَقَيْتَنِي وَلَا تُشْرِكْ بِي شَيَّةً And you didn't make any shirk or worship or associate anything as an equal to me in any way, in any of the aspects of tawheed. This is the condition that the person should die without making shirk. And the last of them mentioned the sifat or characteristics of Allah confirmed in above a hadith. One of them is al-wajj that Allah, we affirm for Allah that He has a face. And the meaning of face is well known in the Arabic language and the how of it is only known to Allah. And likewise, the second characteristic mentioned in this hadith is al-kalam or speech. And the speech, al-kalam in Arabic language is well known. We affirm that Allah speaks and how He speaks is known only to Allah. This is the end of the questions. Uh, please try to stay with us uh, by reading the text of the book as well as the sharh and answering the questions uh, as you go along week by week and not get behind. And also, while you are reading, if anybody finds any mistakes in any of these books, please bring it to our attention, because I have found a number of mistakes. And uh, one of the brothers brought to my attention a couple of days ago, uh, in chapter 12 of the Sharh, on page 85, uh, in the verse that's mentioned on the bottom of the page, if Allah does not touch you with hurt, there's none can remove it, but He, it should say, if Allah does touch you with some harm, there's none who can remove but he. But here the word not has been added mistakenly. It is a mistake probably from the typists or the printers, Allahu Adam, but it changes the meaning drastically and these kind of mistakes. Whoever is following, please if you find mistakes like this, bring to our attention so we can correct our books as we go along. That's in page 85. But as I mentioned to you, the pages, some of the pages are not numbered. The page after is 86, but page 85 and 84 are not numbered. And in the beginning of every chapter, for some reason or another, the num numbers are not there. The last number, 83, is there from the previous chapter. And the next page, 84 and 5, doesn't have numbers. And all the way through the book, it's like this. And as well, the title of the book on the top of each page, instead of being Kitab al-Tawheed, they got Kitab al-Tawheed. Kitab. I don't know where they got it from. But anyway, these kind of mistakes. And if this mistake in the name, inshallah, it's not a major problem. But mistakes in the text perhaps can change the meaning. And these are what we are looking for. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم